Let's open God's Word to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. We're going to read this morning the first 14 verses of the chapter, and then we'll skip down to verse 24 and read the last two verses of the chapter. Judges 13, beginning at verse 1, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, And now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, And the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that speakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine nor strong drink, nor eat any unclean unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe." Now go down to verse 24. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. We read God's holy word to that point this morning. Our text is verse 12. In the context of the chapter, of course, but verse 12. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him?
Beloved of God, Judges chapter 13 records, as we have read, the announcement of the angel to the parents of Samson of the fact that they were going to have a son. The announcement of the angel indicates that this child is going to be a wonder. Manoah's wife was barren. She could not bear children, and yet God would miraculously open her womb and give to these two a child, a child who would be a deliverer of Israel, a judge of Israel, and therefore a gift to Israel, and a child who would be a gift to these two parents, Manoah and his wife. As every child is a gift to their parents. And every child is a wonder to the parents and all around. The knitting together of a child in a mother's womb is an astounding thing. And just because it happens so frequently in the life of a congregation, we ought not lose that sense of wonder and awe. That God creates this being from two cells and it grows and becomes its own independent being under God, of course. It comes out of the womb of the mother and lives consciously. It's an astounding miracle, a great wonder of God's providence. And yet, at the same time, every time it happens to a couple in the church, it's not only a wonder, but it's a great responsibility that God now takes this being and hands this being to these parents and says, and now you bear responsibility for the molding and the shaping and the training of this life. And so our response to the bearing of children ought to be both of those things. It ought to be worship of our God at the wonder and miracle that this is. And it ought to be also a sense of the awesome responsibility that this is, as both of those are seen in Manoah and his wife. Out of that awesome responsibility, godly parents begin to ask questions, don't they? Like Manoah. You feel so inadequate, and here's this great responsibility that's been handed to me. How, how can I do this? And so, parents are, are constantly asking questions. What do I do with respect to the physical life of the child? What do I do with respect to the spiritual life of the child, the emotional life of the child? Shall we do this? Shall we not do this? Shall we go here? Shall we not go here? Is it good if we do this? Or is it bad if we do this? And if the child does this, how do we respond to that? So many questions can be asked. And yet, in the mouth and mind and heart of the godly parent, all those questions really come down to one question, don't they? The question of Manoah, how shall we order this child? And how shall we do unto him? 
Isn't that your question? The three couples who bring their children for baptism this morning, isn't that the question of every godly couple in the church? Isn't this the question of the whole church really together? God has given us this responsibility. How shall we order these children? What shall we do unto them? Let's ask that question this morning in humility and worship of God under the sense of the responsibility that this is. And we'll take it up under the theme, the question godly parents ask. We'll notice first the question, second the answer to that question, and third the hope that we have in the asking and receiving the answer. What is the question that gets at the heart of all your other questions with respect to raising your children? And what is the question that gets to the heart of all my questions in my raising of my children? When you boil all the questions down, there's always a central question. There's always a chief question. And what that is, is going to reveal what we believe is the heart of our calling with regard to the children God has given to us. Not every parent asks Manoah's question as their chief and central question, and not every parent asks it all the time, even if that is their chief question, other times. Sometimes we can be tempted. When it really comes down to it, this is the question that we are asking. How can we make this child happy? Not, of course, that we don't want to make this child happy. We do. But that can't even be the central question, the chief question. And the irony is, is that if that is the chief question, it actually undermines the child's happiness that we're seeking. The chief question has to be Manoah's question. And in that way, the child will have true happiness. Or sometimes, we might be tempted, if we're really honest with ourselves, to say, really, the chief question, the heart of my parenting, the question that all the other questions contain, how can I make this child successful? How can I make something of this child wealthy and successful? And of course, there is a good desire in every parent to teach this child to be capable, responsible, to work hard, to be able to handle life well to the glory of Jehovah God. And yet that question can't even be the central question, the question under which all other questions of parenting subsume. It can't be the governing principle. And if questions like that become the central question, it's going to show up in our lives in a wrong way. And usually, it's going to show up this way, that Christ and the church are not the chief priority in our lives, but become second fiddle to everything else in our life. The question that is pressed out of Manoah's mind and heart, and the fact that he asked this question of God, 
shows that he had a good and right understanding of his own responsibility with this child. The calling of a covenant parent when God hands children into their arms. Man of God, how shall we order this child? And what shall we do unto him? The calling of covenant parents is to order the lives of their children according to the Word of God. To order or to direct the manner of life of their children according to God's will and way. Parents are to function like the banks of a river as those banks turn the water that's running in the middle of them this way and that way, directing that water to the place that they want that water to go. So parents are ordering, they're directing the life of their children to the good and right way. And how shall we do unto Him? How shall we carry out our calling? What shall we do? What kinds of things do we do to the child so that his life is so ordered? That's what Manoah is saying. That's what he's asking about because that's the sense of responsibility he feels. I know that this is what my calling is. How do I do it? And that is indeed the calling. To direct the manner of the life of the covenant children unto God. All of it in every respect as they grow up in our homes unto adulthood. It's very telling and that the word for child that the Spirit inspires and that Manoah use here, uses here, how shall we order the child, is a very general word and covers the whole life of a child from the womb all the way up to when they become adults. It's a word that's used in the Scriptures to refer for example, to the child who was born to Phinehas and his wife just after that child came out of the womb. Phinehas' wife cried, Ichabod, you remember that story? To refer to that child then just seconds after he came out of the womb. And yet, it's the same word that's referred to, you, to Samuel when he's dropped off at the tabernacle at six, seven, eight years old. And yet, it's the same word that's used of Isaac when Abraham offers him up upon the altar at 13, 14, 15 years old. The word's even used to describe Jesse's boys when Samuel comes to anoint David as the next king. And those boys were older teenagers, some of them coming to adulthood. So Manoah uses this general word and the Spirit inspires this general word because the point is the God-given calling of parents is to order the manner of the life of their children from the moment they come out of the womb until they reach adulthood. The behavior of the covenant seed, where they will go, what they will do, the way they speak, how they'll spend their time, how they won't spend their time, what they're going to believe, what they're going to reject as false, how they're going to think about certain things, what will be the priorities of their life and what will not be the priorities of their life, what will be their loves. You're fostering that in them, the chief love and the other loves that file underneath it. 
What in whom are they to esteem? And what are they not to esteem? All of it. The manner of life is ordered by the parents. Of course, the way that the parents do, do that changes as the child grows. Of course, that's true. But this is the responsibility. On the other side, children, teenagers, that means that your responsibility is to receive this ordering of your life by your parents. It's God's will that your, your life be ordered by them. They haven't taken this upon themselves. God has placed this responsibility upon them. And we must receive their instruction and ordering of our life as given to us by God Himself. Not going against their ordering of our life or seeking to order our own life or maybe even when we arrive to the teenage years trying one of these, I'll show them a life that is ordered by them but then I'm also going to have this other life behind their back that they don't know about that's ordered according to my own will. We must receive their good instruction, of course, if they mold us and direct us in opposition to the will and way of God. That's another matter. But as they order our lives according to God's will, we may not bristle at that, but bear patiently with their own weaknesses and frailties too. Are you doing that, children, teenagers, humbling yourselves under the direction of your parents? Teenagers, are you tempted to cop an attitude with your parents? Be rebellious? Shut down on them? Remember, you're copying an attitude with God, really. God has set them up to do this. God has given them this responsibility. Be careful. God has placed them in your life. The covenant parents have this responsibility in calling together as husband and wife, together with the husband and father as the head that comes out in this narrative in a striking way in that Manoah takes up his headship even though the man of God, the angel, keeps appearing to his wife without him. You see that twice in the narrative. The very first time the angel appears, he appears to Manoah's wife. And then even the second time, after Manoah, under the the burden of this, he believes what his wife tells him comes from the angel of the Lord. And so he cries out to God, send the man of God back because I need to ask him, how shall I fulfill my calling? I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to order and direct his life. But how? And I need to ask him this. And it says, the text says, that that God heard his prayer and answered his prayer. But then God sends the angel back to his wife alone when Manoah is out in the field. And I find no other reason for the angel to do that except to draw out for us the loveliness of the relationship of these two and also the sense of headship that Manoah has, that that might be brought out for our benefit. This godly woman, the second time that the angel appears, 
apparently says, hold on a minute, I need to go get my husband, and sends somebody to go get her husband, and her husband runs out of the field back home, and he asks the question, I need to ask you this, as the head of my house, face to face, myself, how shall we order this child? What shall we do to him? Fathers, do you have something of that responsibility? This is upon you, yes? Together, we'll get to that in a minute. But you are the head of your home. And does this responsibility strike you? Is this burden upon you? I need to ask this question. Not just my wife, and I can't just give this to my wife, but this is my burden. This is the burden of my soul as the head of my house. How shall we order this child? But then notice when he does ask. When he gets to the angel and asks his question, he doesn't ask her, how shall I order this child? But how shall we? He's asking it. He's the head and he made sure that he would ask it. He ran out of his field back home so that he could ask it face to face. But he knows that he bears this responsibility with his wife by his side and that she has helped meet for him. How shall we order this child together? What shall we do unto him? He knows. But though he bears this burden and responsibility, the buck will stop with him. They do this together. Manoah asks his question of the right source. He asks it of God Himself. It can be a temptation, of course, to ask this question of other sources besides God. To ask the right question, but of the wrong source. There are wrong questions to ask, wrong questions to have as the central question of your parenting. But there's also this mistake that we can make, that we ask the right question of the wrong source. To ask, really, how shall I order this child and what shall I do unto him of the unbelieving world? And maybe to ask that question, really, without even thinking about it or thinking that that's what I'm doing to come so under the influence of the age in which we live, the compromised culture in which we live, so that though I don't consciously ask that question of the unbelieving world, if I stop to think of it and examine myself, that's really what I'm doing. I'm not asking this of God and of His Word. God, tell me, how do I order this child? In every respect, I want to apply Thy Word to the life of this child. But I'm really asking the culture around me. Or I'm asking God in these parts, in this area, but I'm asking the culture really in these parts. Manoah was single-minded. I'm going to ask this man, the angel of God, and him alone how to order this child. He had plenty of others to ask around him, but he was living in a compromised age, age of the judges, an age of apostasy. And of course, we ask questions of, of a lot of other people, our parents, other people in church, and ought to, and yet ultimately, ultimately, this question is for him. God, how do I order this child's life? You have given me 
this child. I recognize that it's on loan from thee, and I am to be a steward of this child. I don't take this child from thee and run, and now it's mine, and I do only what I think. But this child is given to me by thy hand, and yet is thy child. And thou hast made me a steward, a caretaker of it for a time. And I must look to thee and ask thee, how would you have me order the life of this child? You've put him or her into my hands. It's really an astounding thing that God does. And you can't help but wonder at that too. Why does he do this? Why does he entrust his most precious possessions, his little lambs, to us? Why would he put them into our hands? It's in part for us to drive us to the spiritual maturity of asking this question. And yet, it's also because in the covenant community, we're asking this question, how God shall we order this child and direct his life? Shall we then examine ourselves, brothers and sisters, parents? And me too. You'll have a preparatory sermon in the evening, but this is a week of self-examination coming up. Shall we not examine ourselves in this too in this week coming up? Am I asking this question? And am I asking this question of God? in all of my parenting, in my raising of my children? Who really am I asking this of? And am I answering it in the light of the Word of God? Parents ought to ask each other this. And ought to look at the lives of their children and the way they're directing their home. The different aspects of their children's lives. The different aspects of the home. Is this the central question in our house? What are the priorities of our home? How are we ordering their lives? Manoah's urgency is right. It's a dead serious thing. God's handing these children to us. His urgency to lead him to run out of the field in order to ask this question. But how shall we order this child? And Manoah entreated the Lord. That is, he pleaded pleaded with him, O Lord, man of God, show us, teach us out of the sense of his own inadequacy. God, show me the way. We don't know everything. Every parent realizes that. And of course, the way that we ask God this question is to ask the question of His Word. Show me in Thy Word. This is why Manoah wanted the man of God to answer this question for him. Not because this man of God had so much experience with parenting. He didn't. But because he brought the Word of Jehovah to him. And we ask it of the Word. When we ask our parents, we're asking our parents for help, aren't we? By saying, how did the Word direct you in your life? in the raising of your children. Young people, when you date, when you marry, make sure your spouse is going to ask this question with you. And is going to ask this question with you of the right source of God and not of the culture that is around us. Wholly submitted to the Lord and to His Word. Make sure 
that when you receive the gift of children into your arms, should God grant that to you, and you feel this burden of responsibility, and you ask this question, that there is a we in it, not just an I. And make sure, young ladies, that when you get to that point and you ask this question, you know your husband with urgency is going to take up his calling and responsibility and ask it on the behalf of the two of you and with you and lead you in the asking of this question as Manoah led his wife. And that he also respects you enough to say we when he asks it. There are husbands and there are wives, of course, godly, but who are in a situation where they only can say I when they ask this question. God gives grace for that in that situation too. But ensure, young people, that by God's grace, you're not in that situation. That when it comes down to it, you can say we. That there is a oneness, a unity between you. And you ask this question together. God, how shall we order the life of this child? And how shall we do unto him? The answer that the angel of Jehovah gives to Manoah's question is this. Order the child's life unto holiness. Order the child's life unto holiness. Separation from sin from the heart and consecration unto God from the heart in his life. That's very general. And there's not a lot of details that are given here. And maybe to a certain extent, it feels a touch anticlimactic to us. It may be a bit disappointing, hoping for a lot more than that. And there is more than that, of course, in the Scriptures. And other sermons will explain more what that is on other texts of the Scripture. But this passage is getting to the heart of things, getting to the nub of things, the nub of the question that parents must ask. God, how shall we order this child's life according to thy will? And the answer of God, the heart of which is, Order his life unto holiness, unto me. Consecration unto me as God from the heart. The angel answers that this child must be a Nazarite. For lo, verse 5, Thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Children, you remember what a Nazarite is from catechism, right? A Nazarite was someone who was separated unto God in a visible way in the midst of Israel. Numbers 6 verse 1, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When either man or woman, notice that even women could be Nazarites in the Old Testament, when either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord 
and you children know what three things a Nazarite was to stay away from, right? He was to stay away from drinking strong drink, drinking alcohol. He was to stay away from cutting his hair and was to stay away from touching a dead body. And all of those things were to be pictures of the fact that he separated unto Jehovah God. And that Nazarite stood in the midst of Israel as something everybody could see as a visible illustration, a visible parable, a visible sermon to Israel of the calling of all Israel to be separate from sin unto Jehovah God. Not that all the Israelites, of course, had to stay away from all alcohol. Drunkenness, yes, but not all alcohol. Not that they couldn't touch a dead body or cut their hair. But the point was, in those visible things, he was a representation to Israel, a reminder daily whenever he walked by and the way that he lived his life, all Israel was to be consecrated unto God, was to be different, holy unto the Lord. And Manoah and his wife were to raise their son to be holy unto the Lord in the midst of Israel from the womb. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. From the womb. That's significant because most of the time, Nazarites weren't Nazarites for life. They would take a Nazarite vow for maybe 30 days or 90 days. But very rarely was there a Nazarite for all of his life. But this child was to be that from the womb until his death, the angel said. A Nazarite unto God. What a lesson. For how we are to order their lives. We are to raise them to be separated from sin unto Jehovah God. Now all these things happen for in samples written for our admonition. From the womb, raising them to be consecrated to Jehovah and all the things that they do, lawful things that they do, or to view them as the children of God from the moment they come out of the womb and to raise them that way, to think of themselves that way and to behave that way. Holiness is not just for when they get married someday, but from the womb, growing up unto Jehovah God. And so how, how do we order their life? Well, in everything that we have them do and hold them back from doing, who they're with, who they're not with, how they're going to handle themselves, what's going to fill up their minds and what's not going to fill up their minds. We're thinking about this. I'm setting this child is consecrated unto Jehovah God in the midst of this world. I'm showing this child the ugliness of sin. I'm showing, showing him the beauty of God and of His will and way. I'm holding back His feet from evil and from allowing sin to take a foothold in the heart that He might be God's and think of himself or herself as God's in the midst of this world. That's the goal of parenting. And how, how shall we do unto him so that this ordering of the life takes place? We do this by instruction, by teaching, 
by teaching yes to this and no to this. And as they get older, teaching why that is, setting it in the, in the realm of God's covenant and of his purposes, which is so beautiful. It's showing this is the right way of life. Teaching them the gospel. What Christ has done for the times of their rebellion and the sin that cleaves to them so that they have a motive to live holy unto the Lord. How? By teaching. How? By discipline. By discipline. Correction. When they go their own way and not God's way. We want to build a relationship with them. Absolutely. And we must build a relationship with them. But we also don't do that at the expense of holiness, do we? Lest we become like Eli and receive the charge that God gave to Eli, but you didn't restrain your sons. You had a good relationship with them, but you didn't restrain them. And you didn't ever confront and you didn't ever risk calling them to holiness and to leave the way of sin. We don't compromise holiness. We discipline. We encourage positive encouragement. You're walking in the right way. That was a good decision that you made. I respect that decision because it was unto God and I saw that it was unto God and that you did it unto Jehovah God. Instruction, discipline, encouragement, but all of that's not complete without the example, is it? How shall we do unto Him? We shall instruct Him. We shall discipline Him. We shall encourage and we shall provide a good example. It's quite striking that the angel says to Manoah, his wife, that she is to be a Nazarite, at least for a time. Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. And to be sure, in large part, that was because he was to be a Nazarite from the womb, and so she may not drink strong drink while he's in her womb, but it's also this, that as he grows, he sees an example. And he's not doing this all by himself. And the child must see an example in the parents. So that it's not do what I say, but not what I do, but I'll show you. A life of consecration to God and separation from sin. Are you asking this question unto the Lord? How shall we order his life according to the word of God? Have you been renewed and I at this goal with our parenting? Sometimes, beloved, it's good to take a step back and, and get the big picture and get to the very heart of things and to see the, the whole thing and not just the individual trees. What are we doing with all of these individual moments in our homes and in the lives of our children? This, let's order their lives according to God's will and holiness unto the Lord from the heart. If someone woke you up at 2 o'clock in the morning and asked you, quick, quick, tell me, what is the goal of your parenting? What would you say? In seminary, we often talk about the 2 a.m. test for sermon making. Seminary student, you have to have a theme of your sermon that is the main point 
that runs all the way through to which you're driving in all your sermon. What is the main, main point of your sermon? And you have to know that so well so that if somebody shakes you awake at 2 o'clock in the morning and says, quick, what's the theme of your sermon? You are able to give it to them. What about with us as parents? Is this governing all of our life? We ask this question, beloved, and receive the answer from God as individual couples, as couples in the congregation, together as the covenant community. We ask and receive the answer from God in hope. Out of the hope that God gives to us for the covenant children that He places into our arms, that He will grow them and develop them, blessed of God with the presence of His Spirit. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. To be sure we don't ask the question and receive the answer in the hope that our children will be sinless or mature from the first moment. Samson certainly was not. And all the covenant children mature at times in different ways and there's sin, and there's growth in grace that comes over time. But we ask, and we get the answer, in hope. In hope that God yet will bless the children of the church in the way of our ordering their life. That He will be present in our ordering of their life, in our teaching, in our instructing, in our pointing them to a life of holiness and consecration to Jehovah God, and that He will slowly and surely develop them in maturity unto His glory from the heart. And in the hope, that though of course God's discriminating decree runs right through the generations of the church too, that He will redeem our children and He will make of them deliverers even in Israel. Samson grew up to be a deliverer of his fellow Israelites. So we hope for our children. So we pray for them that they be deliverers in the midst of an age such as this. As children with their fellow children that they show a good example of the right way. Our prayer is that they are used as means of God as deliverers of their children, of our grandchildren someday. That they have a place serving in the church, great or small, in which they are deliverers of Israel by knowing what Israel ought to do, pointing out the right way, living unto God. A means in God's hand for this. But only a means. And even then, pointing others to the great deliverer beyond themselves and the deliverer that they themselves need, that we need as parents too. The Spirit's intention with Judges 13 is also to make us look forward to the great deliverer of Israel. It's very, very striking. This is the only passage in the book of Judges where the birth of the judge is recorded. And here in the recording of it, we have the angel delivering this message to a woman who cannot bear a child. 
that she will bear a child and her child will be a deliverer of Israel who comes forth out of her womb. And then after the record of his birth, the record skips his childhood except to say that he grew and the Spirit was upon him and then it moves on to his ministry. How can we not think of the angel who came to Mary, a woman who could not bear a child in a greater way for she had not known a man. That angel who tells her, and yet you will bear a child who will be the great deliverer of Israel. And in the recording of the narrative, tells the story of his birth and then skips over his child, except to say that he grew in wisdom and stature with God and with man, and then jumps to his ministry. And then seeing that, How can we not also help but see the difference between the ministries of these two deliverers? The next chapter, Judges 14, that jumps into Samson's ministry begins this way, and Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman of Timnath, the daughter of the Philistines. Samson was not the great deliverer. He falls to the devil's temptations, and he needs a greater deliverer himself. But the next recorded event in the life of Jesus Christ is also temptations that are placed upon him from the devil in the wilderness. And yet he does not fall. This is the great deliverer. The one with an impeccable righteousness before God. Holiness, consecration unto God and separation from sin. Who stands as God's man, God's deliverer in the world. The one that our children need and the one to whom we must point them. So that in our ordering of their life, we're constantly directing this river of their life to Him. Here is your righteousness. Here is the one who is holy like you can't be holy. Here is the one consecrated to God like no other. See his righteousness imputed to you. See his death as a death for your sins. Cry out to him for forgiveness for your failures and for power to live unto his glory and a holy life in the midst of this world. This is our hope, our solid hope, as we ask and receive the answer This question godly parents ask, O Lord God, how shall we order this child? And how shall we do unto him? Amen. Father, bless thy word to our hearts. Increase our faith. Strengthen us in our callings, the carrying out of our callings. And cover our sins and stains, O Lord. We appeal to the blood of Christ for our our failures. They want to take our children there too. Hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen.